0: Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show, just remember, wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc, etc. And now you can watch us on YouTube twice a week as well, usually Tuesdays and Fridays, although we will give you a bit of notice if it's on a different day. Uh, This one should be dropping ahead of a a long break for Manchester United. Uh, I don't think they play until the start of April against Leicester or Trafford because uh, they've been knocked out of the FA cup and Liverpool is still in it. So that's the reason for no game this weekend, although we'll look a little bit further forward. Uh, and just a reminder as well, you can head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button on this video, subscribe and join the community. And the link should be in the description of this episode. If you're listening on audio, uh, Today's episode is a little bit different. Uh, We've got Rob here, obviously. Uh, How first thing? How are you doing, Rob? And today is a little bit different because we're going to look at rebuilding Manchester United and how the hell you do it. Yeah,
1: I'm good. The sun is shining, as you can see from my camera here, right in front of my face, quite bright and sparkly. But today's show is going to be a little bit about blue sky thinking for Manchester United. So lots of doom and gloom at the moment in terms of results and the team and the manager and the build. We're going to try and pick that apart today and see if there's a way back for Manchester United to go back to the top of the English League.
0: We will indeed. So the, today's show is just going to look at look at everything holistically, in, in, in a sense. We'll look at the latest on the manager, or the new manager that's coming up, We're, and we'll look at every player currently at the club, uh, and maybe decide whether they should stay, whether they should go, what will happen with them. Uh, we'll go in depth. It might be a bit of a long episode, we'll see. But um, to help us do that... Uh, we also have uh, 90 min transfer correspondent Graham Bailey with us. Uh, welcome to the show, Graham. How are you doing?
2: How are you doing, guys? Good, thanks.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Graham, uh, Graham and I have been working together quite closely for a few years now. Uh, but this is the f- second podcast we've done together. And we might actually have a podcast coming up quite soon. So keep your eyes out for that. All about transfers and not just Manchester United. Uh, keep an eye out for that one. But yeah, uh, Graham, thanks for being here. We'll obviously come to you uh, throughout the show to discuss a variety of different players um, and kind of get your thoughts on what the future has in store for them. Uh, and we'll also ask you as well if there's any uh, thing on the horizon that maybe we haven't heard yet. About players that United could be targeting, or people that should be rocking up at Old Trafford. But uh, let's talk to start with about the manager then. And oh, actually, just a reminder before we do go on: uh, you should be what if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see the Twitter handles on the screen. But if you listen on audio, uh, you can find me at underscore Scott Saunders on Twitter. Uh, Rob is at underscore Rob underscore B. Graham is at Graham Bailey, and the show is at Promised Land Mu. Uh, Let's talk about the manager, shall we? Now. You'd think at this moment in time, Graham, that given United have about two weeks off and they have nine games left in the Premier League this season and nothing to play for, essentially, apart from top four, which is maybe a little bit out of reach, but you never know if Arsenal collapse. But let's be real. Do you actually trust that United will put any kind of form together over the next nine games? I'm not so sure. Uh, United should be looking at... New manager options now. So, what's the what's the latest, as you understand it, on the manager search?
2: Yeah, it's been accelerated, hasn't it? Since Richard Arnold was made permanent, he 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 didn't make, make John to go back to the drawing board, but he, he did ask for him to make sure he's doing his due diligence on everyone to to yeah, not not scrapping them, but go back to basics. Let's see who we've got. And the search did come back with Pochettino and Ten Hag as as the main two. Yeah, keeping a watching and, watch and over everyone. We've seen these Thomas Tuchel situation come come up where he might be available if Chelsea go to the wall, if they allow players to leave and might just leave. That isn't going to happen. Obviously, I think any club who's looking for a manager, yeah, go and look at... Make, let's double-check that Tuchel isn't available. Double-check that he doesn't want to move. So I think they have done that. But in terms of getting him... I. Don't really see. I don't think Chelsea, from what I'm hearing, are too worried about it. You know, Tuchel's a very loyal man. He's got two years left on that deal. So I I wouldn't get too excited by that for his United fans. But it's good. It it gives them a bit of comfort to know they are looking, they are investigating it. And as they should, Luis Enrique, Carlo Ancelotti, they're they're looking at all avenues. But they do keep coming back to Ten Hag and Pochettino. And they really are making sure to do the homework on these two. And, yeah, and we've spoken at length, haven't we, Scott, about this, both off air and online. And as if what I'm getting from the club is I think it's 60 40 Ten Hag. I, I think he is Ragnick's man. Ragnick is going to have a say in this. Pochettino. How you know? strong
0: a say, Graham? How, how strong a say? Do you think?
2: I don't I think Murta's his own man. I do. I think, but he takes what Ragnick has to say very seriously. And and, and I must admit, I I I think Pochettino's the better. I think he should get. I lay my cards on the table. I think he is. But I was speaking to someone close to United at the derby game, um, the other week, and, and they were they were the same opinion. However, within the club, someone was saying, and and I didn't really see this until someone said this to me. and I, I think I do agree actually that Ten Hag could be special. He could be the new Klopp. He could be the new Guardiola. His ceiling is higher than Pochettino's. So yeah, Pochettino's going to come in. I think he'd do a very good job. Would he win you the title in a few years? Possibly, but he will have you challenging. I think that's a guarantee from Pochettino. Ten Hag could come could come in and turn you in to the next Liverpool or City, and and I think that's the that's the quandary that Mertes probably in. Do we? And I think Ten Hag is a bigger gamble than Poch. I really do. And it's a foreigner coming from abroad, um, and the Premier League is hard. But is it that tantalizing thing that do we go and get him? Is he the new special one? And I think that's where they are at the moment. And I think it's probably leaning a bit towards him. I do wonder how much his stock has dropped after their very disappointing defeat to Benfica. Because, you know, how, how can you judge him on the Eredivisie? Can you judge any per player or manager from their form in Holland? It's very difficult, isn't it? But then we see him on the, on the European stage and they lose to Benfica. At yeah. home, which is it's disappointing. Obviously, we saw Pochettino going up to Madrid. There's no disgrace to that, but yeah, it's a really intriguing situation. I still think those two are the main two. It's not to say they discounted anyone else. See, yeah, I keep looking at everyone else. You know, the Amorim. Sporting Lisbon, they looked at him. They're looking at everyone, they really are. But I think these two guys really are the ones who are... T- they're ticking, a lot, And they are at the top of this because they're ticking a lot of boxes, these two. They are the way they want to play, the way they bring through young players. And yeah, I think it is one of these two. I really do. Where
0: do you stand on it at the moment, Rob? Uh, as a, someone looking at United, uh, do you have a favoured choice as the Champions League eliminations of both Pochettino and Ten Hag over the last week or so... Changed your thinking? Uh, do you think Tuchel is gettable? I mean, I look at United in the way that they have been running in the last nine, 10 years and think you're not competent enough to take Tuchel out of Chelsea.
1: I think as it stands, I agree with what Graham is saying there about Manchester United's stance on the manager is that it is kind of 60-40 towards Ten Hag at the moment. And it's the fact that Ten Hag, if you get Pochettino, you know what you get him. You're getting maybe the third best manager in the league. But if you want to be third and you don't want to be second and first, then that's okay. Sit on that. Or you could get a guy that takes you to the next level. Now, I think that there's a real hit or miss factor to Ten Hag and the fact that we just do not know what he can do in England. So, can Manchester United get Thomas Tuchel? Well, looking at what's going on at Chelsea, I think the answer to that at the moment is yes, because I don't even think it will be about whether Tuchel wants to stay at Chelsea or not. It's whether Chelsea's new buyers can come in, can relieve what will be a a big debt there in terms of what Brambridge has put into the football club. He's put in 1.5 billion over that 10, 12-year period. And are you going to be able to hold this manager and give him a new contract? So all of these things are very up in the air. And then you've got to understand if Tuchel wants to still be associated with Chelsea. So at the moment, the answer is yes. There's no kind of smoke there. It's just to see what happens in the future. Man United are the one club that can offer up the readies, offer up the allure, offer up the glory and say, we are one of the biggest clubs in the world, come to us. So I think that that manager question is still very much open. Should United look at the Champions League elimination of Ajax? Absolutely not. It's crazy. You can't be looking at one result or one tournament. And I think with Ten Hag, Hag, if you want someone that can be the next Pep or the next Klopp, then there's only one man for the job at the moment, and that is him. So United are going to have to gamble a little bit here because if you want to be progressive, you're going to have to make a progressive appointment.
0: We'll see how it goes. I mean, the Tuchel uh, speculation has ramped up since Jamie Carragher basically wrote a piece suggesting that they should go for him. It does make a lot of sense, but I just think there's a uh, there's too many things there for it to happen from, from my perspective. I mean, A, United are gonna need a manager in place as soon as they're probably gonna to need to know the identity of the identity of their next manager in the next month, I would imagine in order to get them in for literally the end of this season to start planning or even earlier, if possible, if that person is uh, currently unemployed or whatever, but you know, it does look like it'll be Pochettino or Ten Hag and Tuchel could go into the Champions League final. Like Chelsea did it last season. And do you wait that long to risk, you know, Pulling him out at the end of the season, then you lose a month or whatever when you're trying to plan for the next stage. Plus, there's lots of different managers with lots of different philosophies that are on the shortlist. And it does seem like, you know, people get linked with uh, the, this position. Maybe uh, it doesn't really, isn't really justified and maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense. But you're not in need. I think philosophy first is the big thing. So it, it does boil down to me that I think Ten Hag and Pochettino are the two uh, main. Uh, candidates for this and we'll see what happens because obviously both of their clubs at the moment are out of the Champions League and only have domestic honours to challenge for. Uh, Throughout today's show, we will look at uh, each and every player in United's team and I'll probably start that section now. We'll start with goalkeepers and defenders. We'll talk about the contract situations. We'll talk about whether they're a good fit for United. Uh, Breeze past some players and talk in depth on some others and I I think uh, and We'll get into it from a, you know, perspective of a journalist and people who in in the know of the situation, and from a fan perspective as well. So we've got a mix of everything here, uh, and let's start with the goalkeepers. Rob, I'll come to you first because we just had a chat before we started recording about David De Gea, um, and I believe, or well, from what we understand, he's one of United's highest earners, right? Um after, obviously Ronaldo's come in and I think he's uh, he's taken over him in terms of highest earners, but De Gea is out of contract soon enough and will probably need to have his contract renewed if he is to stay. My question, I'll come to Graham first actually, is do we does that look like it's going to happen in the next few months?
2: Yeah, we, we did actually write a piece on this a few weeks ago. Uh, there is an option there as well. United and his people have had the conversations about where they are. They want to make sure that um, De Gea is happy as well. And I think De Gea has got the bit between his teeth. I think he's showing a real passion for the club. And, and United would think with goalkeepers now they've can go on for longer. United, you know, think that he can go on for another eight years or so. And there's no, I don't doubt that as well. So I think that's, you know... I see. I see what some people say about his lack of um, ball skills, but you know he's he's there as a goalkeeper, and I think he's still in the top top ten in Europe quite easily. On his, day. I think he's been brilliant this season. To be honest, So I think that one will be put to bed. Um, pretty soon, I think they'll start talks, and it won't take long to get that one over the line. I think it's probably more interesting than those behind. Ha- but what's going to happen behind him, to be honest? But no, I think De Gea will. By the time the season starts, I'd be surprised if he- this new deal isn't confirmed by the time the next Premier League season starts. Rob,
0: is that the right decision? Because does let's let's take Ten Hag as a, as an example. Maybe, maybe this is a maybe Pochettino is a better fit with De Gea. But d- Ten Hag as an example, do you feel like David De Gea would be the right goalkeeper? For the next eight years as graham says like if he could go on go on that long let's say ten hog is the long-term solution as manager does that marry up right
1: well i once wrote that for me as a manchester united fan obviously as a journalist as well david de gea i think it's the best goalkeeper manchester united have ever had and i put him in front of peter schmeichel and edwin van der saar so that's my opinion on the player Is David De Gea the right goalkeeper for Manchester United from 2022 going forward to be a modern, progressive football club? This is what we're talking about. How do you catch City and Liverpool? And it starts from the goalkeeper position. I watch David De Gea in every warm-up, at every football match for Manchester United, all the games I go to, and he's just simply not good enough with his feet. It's as simple as that. So he is a fantastic shot-stopper. I think in the last 12 months, he's recovered his form. We cannot forget, but for the previous two years before this season, he was having a pretty bad time, wasn't he, Scott? So as, Man, as a Man United fan, it's pretty sure that De Gea was struggling. Now he has recovered that. There's no doubt about it. He's Manchester United's player of the season this year. And that's where the problem starts. Your goalkeeper should not be your player of the season. So I agree with Graham. I do think he will get a new contract. I think that that's how Manchester United view it. Um, he was the biggest earner at the football club up until very recently. And it's not really a berserk on what De Gea can do. It's about what Manchester United want to do. If you want to win trophies, De Gea will stop you from falling outside the top four, but he won't help you become first. So this is the whole point of it now with Manchester United. I think you should go and find a goalkeeper that fits what you need. And that means that you need to play out from the back. You need to obviously have a shot stopper. You look at Alisson, you look at Edison, what they do. I don't think they're as good a shot stoppers as De Gea, but they fit the Premier League in the
0: modern day. I'll move on with a, a related question to Dean Henderson. Now, there was a time last season where Dean Henderson was suggested as the person to be the long-term replacement for De Gea, and there was a De Gea would come in for a few games, and Henderson would come in for a few games. And I think the when Liverpool won at Old Trafford, I remember there was a there was a goal from Mo Salah where Henderson just kind of, Salah was bearing down on goal and Henderson was like this. He, he, he was quite, he wasn't uh, an intimidating figure, let's just say, when Salah was bearing down on goal. He got a bit of criticism for that. And I think it wasn't too long after that De Gea came back in. So the optimism was, like Dean Henderson, I think, is among the highest paid goalkeepers in the Premier League. He was He's given a new contract Is that a right decision from United? Uh, You know, it's, it's it's a weird one. But Rob, I'll come back to you first here. Do you think that Henderson has the skills to fulfill that role that you were just talking about? Or is it a foregone conclusion now that he has to be sold? He'll be sold, because I think when Man United gave him that
1: contract, there was a bit of smoke and mirrors there. They didn't want him to leave. They wanted to retain him. And as you said, the narrative at that time was that he is your natural successor to De Gea, who had been failing the season before that in terms of his own form. Now, again, is Dean Henderson as good as what you need on the deck as a starter, as a goalkeeper? The answer, again, is no. You know, he's he's, he's better with his feet than David but he's not elite. You know, you need someone. That whole sweeper-keeper thing is a real thing in Europe. You know, you need players that can play out from the back. I think with Dean Henderson, Manchester United have tied him to that long contract. He is, I think, in the top five or six paid goalkeepers in the world. So that's a crazy thing, isn't it? To think about, in terms of your reserve, who doesn't even play matches, and Manchester United will need to sell him. So you sell him, you fund him, and you go and get at least a goalkeeper, I think, that can do different things to David De Gea and can be that sweeper-keeper when you need it.
0: Uh, oh, God. I just I just did a very cringy face when you said that line, Rob, about the, the earnings, uh, in case you are listening on audio. Uh, but, my God. Some weird decisions in the past over contracts and this kind of thing, and I think... United have to sell Dean Henderson. Uh, so Graham, I'll come to you. What's the... I think he's been... There's a bit of interest from Newcastle. There's been a lot a lot of other clubs uh, who've registered interest over the last year. Uh, do you expect him to be sold by United this summer? And is there any updates on where the, the place he could go would be? And then maybe I'll come back to you on what do United do if they do sell him? Uh, they need a replacement surely because... Can Tom Heaton do it? Can Lee Grant do it? Will Lee Grant leave in the summer? We'll see.
2: Yeah, I think they've already um, got Ryan Henderson's replacement. But on on Henderson, yeah, it'll be down to the player, really. United will be be desperate for him to go to Newcastle because they're one of the only clubs in world football who would take on this huge wage packet. And yeah, there's not other teams who are capable of it, but, you know, Newcastle are building. We know they like Dean Henderson in January so there's only two options it's basically selling to newcastle which i think is the most likely scenario um i say i don't think you'll get a huge, you'll get a good amount but i think considering newcastle going to take his wages i think there will be a deduction in the fee there, which is only right if he wasn't to reject newcastle i think a, a long-term loan would be the option uh, an 18-month loan and and i wouldn't rule out Scottish champions rangers there they've looked at him before and and so yeah, you're looking at either a long-term loan where do you send him out for 18 months? Do you look at it like a Courtois, Courtois situation? But, you know, he's not in the same bracket as that and and then bring him back later on for the here in two years. So that is an option they've got. But unlikely, yeah, Newcastle are leading the chase. They want him. Newcastle, it seems, want an English backbone. And and yeah, he'll he'll go in there. It's arguably he doesn't. He's not really a massive improvement on Debravka for me. But <laughs> and and the world to Burn Leno, who I think the Arsenal reserve, I think is probably better than Henderson. But he's he's a young English goalkeeper. You sign Henderson, he could be in goal for ten years. So I think it's a sensible um, signing for Newcastle. You can see why United did it. He, he looked good at Sheffield United, but he hasn't quite lived up to that. And um, yeah, in terms of his replacement. Um, I think they could be looking very close to home united in the shape of uh, um Sam Johnston who I think that is um that's one which um yeah we did a story a couple of weeks ago so it's accelerated quicker than I thought and I think they're quite it was, close a, it was a
0: it was a long actually quite a while back wasn't it
2: Oh, I, lose, I, lose, I lose track now. January seems to go on for three years. so It was a, it was a long one. But yeah, um, and no, to be fair, you guys have probably seen more of Sam Johnston in his career than I have, or you might not have, because I know he's played a lot of games, not many came at United. But yeah, he's. A, I, I like Johnston. I, I, I'll i be honest, I think he is a better keeper than Henderson. Not, not a lot in it, but I think he is. He's an England national, 29. I think he is um, a high-class backup, which I think you do need.
0: Yes, indeed. We'll see. Uh, but if Anderson does go, and I think the preferred option, Rob, would be to sell rather than loan out. Right? He wants to leave the football club.
1: Yeah, There's yeah. no doubt about it. He's not. He's not going out on loan again. I think the thing is, is that he's done that with Man United, and Manchester United made him certain promises six months ago, obviously under Oleg and Solskjaer's tenure, uh, and the succession plan for him to take over from David de Gea is now in the bin. So I think for for him, there will there won't be a long term loan. He needs to go and play games. His ambition is to be England's number one. And I think it's a realistic ambition. I think when you look at the goalkeepers around him, um, uh, Dean Henderson at the top of his game, playing every week in the spotlight, could very well be England's number one at the next World Cup. Now, that seems like a bit of a jump, but he could be. He's that good. So I think you see what Ramsdale's done at Arsenal when he moved there to show that you can showcase yourself in six months and jump right up the pecking order. And I think Dean Henderson is of that calibre. It's certainly an open
0: spot, that England uh, goalkeeping position, given the form Jordan uh, Jordan Henderson. Jordan Pickford has shown and given Everton a teetering on the relegation line at the moment. Uh, We'll see how that goes in the next few weeks under Frank Lampard. But Ramsdale at Arsenal has obviously staked a claim, but Gareth Southgate's been a little bit reluctant to kind of make the change. But uh, Henderson... He has a chance, so if he can get a move and then have four months or so of solid form, you never know. Uh, So, yes, I think we'd expect to see Dean Henderson leave the club in the summer if if Sam Johnston does come in to replace him. It seems like a logical move. Is the logical move, though, renewing David De Gea's contract on the kind of money he's on uh, for a longer period of time? We'll see. But let's move on to defenders, and I'll go through the centre-backs first off. Uh, I think it's pretty nailed on that Rafa Vran stays, right, Rob? For now, <laughs> <As> a, <laughs> let's let's see how he
1: feels next year, not playing Champions League football. I think that is uh, that's going to be a big question for him
0: long term. But yeah, he's he's very much committed to Manchester United as it stands. Uh, and I would probably, although we've I think we've reported on this in the past, Graham, about Victor Lindelof potentially being available. Although I wouldn't active, I wouldn't put him on the list of players I'd expect to leave straight away.
2: No, not at all. It's quite a few. I think it's the case. This whole squad, there's, there's, the players who United would like to leave is quite extensive players who will leave, is a lot smaller. I, and that, that's the problem, you know? It's not like... I think a lot of fans do think we're playing a game of FIFA or Football Manager where you list a player, get him out, it's quite a quick process. Uh, Graham,
0: I, I've tried Football Manager lately and it's very difficult to actually offload some of these players.
2: Yeah, it's a lot more realistic because you do get the feedback, don't you, Scott, saying, yeah, they don't think they can match his wages. And I'm sure United get a lot of these emails saying, yeah, we would love him. And and we've seen with, with the Massachusetts and. Baez and Lindelofs of this world. There's a lot of Premier League teams would snap your hands off Lindelof. A lot lot of Premier League teams would. But then they take a look at his wage packet and say, well, not on those wages because we want Raphael Varane on those wages, not Victor Lindelof. Yeah. Uh,
0: So we'll see about Victor. Uh, But he's been... I think there's a lot of calls from a lot of fans to see Lindelof start alongside Varane, given the form of another defender I'll keep until the end of this section. Uh, Eric Bailly and Phil Jones are two players that I would ex Well, i been expecting Phil Jones to leave the club for about four years, but obviously I think <laughs> his <laughs> the amount of money that he's on has made it nigh on impossible to shift. Are United ruthless and able enough to actually get him off the books this summer we'll wait and see maybe ran can work some magic there and if there's there a- is
2: interesting there is interesting in i said like, david yeah, moyes, talk david talk david moyes it. loves him and it would he's but he's not alone there's the and you can see you can see why and the 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 performance we saw from before he got injured recently he could still play at a very high premier league level but you know i i think what we can't um, dismiss here guys is this is Manchester United and it's like with Jesse I know Jesse came back from West Ham in the summer and we'll get we'll get on him in a bit but he was like you know you come back to United it's such um, a colossal club it's a different level to even a big Premier League club United are on a different level you know and, and you're a long time left Manchester United when you do go and so you don't blame some of these players for hanging on by the fingertips really
0: and just before we, I bring you back in Rob Graham you definitely feel that way about united don't you that's that's how you look at united. you you kind of judge them through the lens of biggest club in the world and they should act like it
2: yeah i i, I do i do i do get sick sometimes i think about just like that i think United United like i the biggest club in the world and 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 i just come just start acting like it and it's been from the you know i'm not wise in the say as you know scott i thought it, it was an appalling appointment from the start and and i'm not alone ask paul pogba <laughs> um and the like but you know and, and that's how i i I, and I do come down hard on them but so i should you know this is manchester united this is a a catastrophe top four isn't good enough and 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 that's why the ten hag thing as we're going back to Manchester, that, that i think that should appeal to united the, yeah it shouldn't be shouldn't be thinking anything other than, than winning the title here you know, we joked about, it, didn't we, when Fergie joked about the noisy neighbours? team he didn't think within ten years it would be the complete one hundred and eighty degree turn. And, and so, yeah, you're right. So that's why I come out. I do seem a bit come down a bit hard on United at times, but I see them as the biggest club in the world. So that's why I do that.
0: Maybe there should be more of that attitude within the club. Uh, but Rob, uh, Phil Jones, Eric Bay, in an ideal world, they both leave. And I
1: think they will. I think Phil Jones didn't leave in this last window because of Manchester United. So there was a market for him. There were clubs in for him. And United decided there wasn't the right time to sell or they weren't going to get their price. Um, Phil Jones himself stayed at the football club because he is on a very, very good wage. And he loves Manchester United. He wants to stay in the northwest, So that was why he stayed at the football club. But you're right. There needs to be some kind of clear out here. And again, you need to look at players that don't help you. So United have got a surplus of players a complete excess in the squad of players who are not anywhere near the first team. And this is why we talk about, you know, so by Jones, even Lindelof to an extent, they're not really automatic starters. I think Lindelof, there's an argument for him over Maguire, but I think going forward, it's about how do you get these people off the books? It's not a case of whether man United want them or don't want them. It's how you sell them to the marketplace. It's how the market views them as an asset. So, United have got lots of good players, players that other clubs certainly inquire about all the time, but it's whether United can shift that part of the squad out so they can bring new players in.
0: Uh, Graham, on Eric Bailly, uh, do we feel as though, let's say, for example, a Pau Torres ends up leaving Villarreal in the summer? Would he make a logical replacement there? Is that a realistic possibility?
2: Yeah, it's Pau Torres, very interesting name. A player who um, United have done a lot of homework on. He was their first choice um, to come in before Varane last summer. Obviously, Varane came about, um, and they had to do that. I still think Pau Torres is very much one of three or four on United's list um, to come in. Do you in think that could m- still happen? Yeah, very much so. I say I, from from what I'm hearing, Pau Torres is up there along with the Max Kilman, Manuel Akanji. I think those three. I would keep a very close eye on. I think they're logical. Yes, they are in for Antonio Rudiger. He's a bit like, I think Rudiger, I'd, I'd liken it to the Varan situation. Yeah, if we if we don't throw a hat into the ring, we won't get him. And it was the same with Varan last summer where we're hearing he's available. Let's go for him. If we get him, great. If we don't, we've made an effort. I think Rudiger is very similar to that. Um, so you may end up getting Rudiger, you may not. But those other three are the ones you're really doing your homework on. Uh, and Poor Torres, yeah, he's had a he's had a fantastic season again for Villarreal. And we know the scouting staff, we said this two years ago, so the scouting staff love him. He he's he's a very good player and he's calm, collected. And I think him next to Varane is quite tantalized now. I think I like I like Max Kilman, but I think there's a bigger upside to Torres. I think he could he could emerge as one of Europe's best defenders. So again, I think um, I keep an eye on Poor Torres. I think United love him and if if Rüdiger doesn't come in, I think he would be very close to the top of our list for players to come in in, in centre half.
0: Let's talk about one player we have to always keep an eye on: Harry Maguire, Rob. <laughs> it's unmissable. Uh, club captain, eighty million pound signing. Uh, he's been there. What three, is it? Three years now. Twenty, oh, I, I can't remember exactly. Seems like ten years, Scott. doesn't oh, I do like, yeah. do like do you can it seems like ten years. It's been a long time. Uh, I, I was quite defensive of Maguire for a long time in terms of he has no control over the transfer fee, he has no control over the status he's been flung into. But at the same time, with that that armband, looks like it's weighing heavy on him, and it's. He... Is he lacking confidence at the moment? Is he just not good enough? I think, Rob, we spoke about this on a show the other day, but let's talk again about Harry Maguire. What do you think is the right move for him?
1: I've defended Harry Maguire countless times since he came to Manchester United. I think some of the flat that he got in the early days was not justified. But I do think we are seeing what Harry Maguire's ceiling is as a footballer now. So Manchester United are in a bit of a crisis. How do you get out of that? you get your senior players to rally round to find a way to move forward. And what you're seeing is that senior players are actually hindering Man United. So the captain is certainly one of those names. I was saying this to what you were just saying there about Maguire and talking about him. I feel like he owns about 5% of my brain at the moment because it's a constant revolving conversation with everyone I talk to about Harry Maguire, about whether he's good enough or not. And really, it doesn't matter, does it? What matters is looking at the league table and what's going on at Manchester United. And this is your leader. This is your captain. This is your skipper. This is your John Terry. This is your Tony Adams. This is your Brian Robson. This is the bloke who's supposed to drag you through the hard times. And unfortunately, technically on the deck, he's not as good as he once was. And he's getting even slower. So you've just talked about Paul Torres there. Uh, Paul's very much been on Man United's hit list for a long time. he played the left-hand side of the defence, allowing Varane to play on the right. It's an obvious choice. It's part of the scouting system at Man United. They liked him before. Villarreal beat... Man United in Europa League last year, they still like him. It's all about cost, isn't it? So, Rudiger's certainly on there. Rudiger would be on a free, but on huge wages at United. Possibly the the highest paid player at the football club if Ronaldo left. Um, And that's a big commitment for United over a four or five year period. Or do you go and get the young buck? You know, someone who's already established in La Liga. And I do think we're already at that point of the conversations that Harry Maguire will not be a starting centre-back for Manchester United next season. And if he opts to stay, he's going to be sitting on the bench quite a bit and he's not going to be the captain. So I don't think that that's, again, a a tenable position for Maguire. I think that as England's starting centre-back or his aspirations to be that, he will need to be at a football club playing every week, which means Manchester United will sell him.
0: How do you know if he if he does stay how do United manage to get the armband off him and give it to somebody else without it causing like a you know we we know there's a multitude of problems as much as they want to deny it in the in the changing room how does how do you come through that period
1: I d I don't think that you make a big deal of it if you haven't got if you've got a player who doesn't start you can't be captain it's just as simple as that so you can have a figurehead at a team, can't you so like you know like when Ashley Young was the captain at man United. He didn't play every game, but he was kind of the guy, the go to guy that, that in the dressing room. And not one of the most experienced players. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It, was, it was done on experience, and that was why United gave him the armband at the time. So he's kind of club captain without being team captain. But Maguire, I don't think, can fill that function. You know, he he's the captain for a reason. And I, and there wasn't the kind of discourse that people are talking about when he was handed the captaincy from the, from the dressing room. But if he's not starting because he's not good enough and his form is so bad, then there is no issue that he's not the captain. You know, you take the armband off him and you go to the next guy. You know, this is all about progression. It's about the next season and the season beyond and being a team that can compete at the very top. At the moment, Harry Maguire would get nowhere near City or Liverpool squads. And that's for a reason. So because of that, you've got to live in reality. And I think with Harry Maguire, his level
0: is not top four. It's becoming more and more evident as we move forward. Uh, I think we were going to do the recommended signing at the end of the section. I think we kind of decided on Pau Torres. We've it done the director of football bit. bit already. We've done <laughs> that bit. Graham, I just did want to come back to you on uh, on Harry Maguire. Obviously mm-hmm. bought for 80 million quid. Um, a, does he have a future? <clears throat> B, can they sell him? C, how much will they lose if they do sell him
2: yeah i, I think i think i think he does have a, f- a future and he is capable you know as rob said though is his play on the field you know even his ball skill seems to have gone downhill side like, we're talking about a guy who used to play in midfield mm-hmm. at sheffield United and, and Hull. Uh, you know being good on the ball was something that he was known for you know he was he dropped back to be a centre half. Now he looks like a centre half who's never played midfield in his life. But, you know, I think it's just a confidence thing. I watched him closely during the derby. And, and the one big r- run he made in that game was to run 60 yards to complain to the referee. He didn't start acting like United captain, but he was never, you know, I was going to say he's never good enough to be United captain, but given the squad. There wasn't anyone else jumping up saying "pick me, pick me." And as Rob said, you, you, you keep him as club captain, and then if he doesn't play, you, you give it to the vice captain. I think I don't think that's a major issue, but I think you know you bring this other guy in, and he's one of the three centre halves, and, and let him compete. You know, let him if he if he does think, if he is England captain material, my night captain material, he should be looking to get ahead of Verano Torres. So I, I think you could it could have a positive effect on him. You could spark. A second wave of his career you know you could you could get the best out of him so uh, and a new manager coming as i said i think mcguire was sold down the river by Saltside the way he played the high line you know i always argued you know john terry was was probably always been slow than Maguire in his career but it's because the chelsea managers played to his strengths they didn't make john terry play a high line sprinting back but Saltside did that all the time with with, with mcguire for a while but yeah i i don't think um Again, as 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 Rob said, I think if they could sell him, they probably would. Maybe in the summer, but as we as we as we've alluded to, very very difficult to shift wages of that extent.
0: Uh, Rob, just before we do move on to another position, uh, youth prospects. Anybody you'd expect at centre back to potentially make the pathway through to the first team next season?
1: Very much so, Ted and Mengi. We know all about him, how good he is, and he's kind of. What you bought Maguire for, but can like do it as a, as a kid with all the other attributes that you need in the Premier League. So it's interesting that Graham said about the high line and stuff, because this is why I think the difference between players and tactics come in, is that you need the tactics to go and win stuff, to go and win the Premier League, to go and be good. So that's why you play the high line. That's why you kind of compress. That's why you play out from the back. But then you've got someone like Maguire who can't run. That's a problem. So someone like Mengi in the future, we know he's obviously out on loan at the moment. He's a guy who is both athletic, a ball player and a leader. So the boy was a captain uh, in the youth set up at Manchester United. He's got everything in his feet. He's blessed. He can run with the ball. He can dribble. And, oh, yes, he can actually run like an athlete. So I think that when you look at Mengi, he's someone that you would definitely want to develop. And he would be the guy that I would put with Paul Torres and Varane. I wouldn't bother keeping a slow centre-back who, who has England aspirations on the bench. Because every time he comes on, what are we going to be saying, Scott? Oh, God, we've got no pace at the back again. So that's a problem, isn't it? So someone like Mengi, I think, in terms of development, he's certainly there. And people shouldn't forget about Zabi. So he's obviously out on loan now. I do think his long-term future is away from Manchester United. But it was only a year ago we were talking about him, about being a worthy successor at centre-back. Didn't work for him on loan at Aston Villa, but he's still a very, very good young player.
0: Let's move on to the fullbacks because Rob, we did speak in our last show about the fullbacks, And you, I think, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was something along the lines of, they are all awful. I think it's why like uh, I ripped
1: all my hair out.
0: You see, <laughs> yeah, I had long hair before then, but like, it's all gone because of that. <laughs> Should we start from the top with uh, with Aaron wan who was signed for 50 million quid uh, around the same same summer as Harry Maguire, I think. and Ollie put a lot of faith in him, uh, but since Ralph's come in, he's not really had a look-in. Uh, it's been Diogo Dallo, who's been favoured for his ability to attack. Wan-Bissaka, a good tackler, um, but it's proven to be quite limited with his output, and that's me being nice about it. Graham, I... Uh, <laughs> This hasn't worked out, has it?
2: No, it's very poorly researched signing. You know, wasn't he
0: among eight hundred and four right backs? I think that's the line. Well, the, the eight hundred and four players that they they scouted for this position or whatever. But anyway, yeah,
2: so. he did okay. You know, I, this one, my how I got. Um, I got, I've done quite a few United YouTube, so one of my first. Was it one of my first picks? Was the fact that how some United fans were putting him in the same breath as Trent Alexander-Arnold when he first came. And I said, absolutely ridiculous statement. You know, and the fact that Aaron Wan-Bissaka doesn't have an England cap, I think that just sums up where, where we are. Yeah, we have got a dearth of right-backs, but he must be the most expensive England English player of all time not to have a cap, is he? 50 million? That many 50 million pound footballers who don't have an international yeah, I, cap.
0: I can't think of another
2: one. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's... but you know he he should be the ideal modern day fullback one who can defend I love fullbacks who can defend I love that get forward and cross the ball but he it doesn't be seem able to cross a ball and yeah it's it's a tricky what as Rob said though it's about the it's about the tactics and the system you know in the modern day game when you're playing you playing narrow in the middle and you want your full backs to go he just doesn't suit it i think but but he's just not good enough. He really I think he's poo. I just don't see anything from him. Like, apart from tackling, but you know, he's, he's a fifty million pound defender, Scott. And he can and all you can say about him is he can tackle. Rob uh, before we before you uh,
0: go further in this, like, or maybe this maybe this is gonna get batted away. If United played a back three, would he make a good right centre back? No.
1: <laughs> because he's not actually as good a defender as people think he's not it, people look at this whole thing about his tackling and he does tackle because he recovery tackles because he makes mistakes so this is the problem is that he's not this kind of marauding fantastic yeah jim when Stuart pierce used to make tackles as a fullback and would send the player and the ball into rose ed because that was what his game was to defend in that manner you know you covered and you smashed people aaron Wambasaka. When he was at Crystal Palace, I know a lot of people at Crystal Palace. We talked a lot about Aaron Wambasaka when he was coming to Man United and before that, uh, and he was a winger as a trade. You know, as a boy, that's what he was. He wasn't a fullback. He was turned into one, and there was this feeling that he would have better production going forward in years to come as a modern fullback. So he learnt the defensive arts. You know, he tried to do those things, but he's never been a natural defender just because he can tackle. And the problem is, as you said there, he can't cross a ball. 50 million pounds was a gamble by Manchester United. They thought they were getting something more than they were. And the people I spoke to at Palace at the time were like, Aaron's a great young talent. He could be really, really good. 50 million. You can have him. That's what I was told. And, and you can see why that is. So I I think with Aaron, the boy was born three streets from where I was born from. Yeah. You know, he's a local head from where I'm from. And, uh, And I still think that it's not over for him. I wouldn't be like, let's sell him immediately. But in terms of development, you need a coach that's going to take him out of his head where he is today and put him somewhere else. Put him somewhere where he can actually play games, play a style of football and develop him. So it might be a loan move. You might kind of give him a completely brand new plan. But if you sell him, you're going to have such a horrendous loss and he's still only 21-22. So he's 24, actually. So, oh, is he? So he's put 24. on two years. He's put on two years in the last year. That's how it feels at Man United. So he's 24. But you think about it, he's there is still development, I think, in his game. I wouldn't completely ju- he's not the first player I would sell. And I actually do think that when you look at Delo and Teles, who've got a lot of upside, people say in terms of going forward, they are also drastically horrible defensively de- uh, de- players. So I do think that the modern game for fullbacks. tactically, it's about going forward. You need to get goals and assists. You need to be productive on the other end so you can play a 3-5-2. You can push your fullbacks. And fullbacks are wingbacks now. Let's be honest. You know, they're not fullbacks anymore. They don't sit in a flat back four. It's not a thing anymore. So I think that Wambasaka, that's why he's not playing at the moment. But the next coach, you know, I I think you still need to keep trying to develop him in the next year or two. Otherwise, you're going to make a £40 million loss on him and you're probably going to make that kind of loss on several other
0: players as well. So you can't do that across the board. He's contracted until 2024 with an option yeah. for a further year. So, yes, he still has some time. Uh, and yeah. no, you Two years not ago, he that, was
1: rated yeah. the 10th best fullback in Europe two years ago. So it's not actually that long ago. And his form has completely spiralled in the same way that Luke Shaw's form has spiralled. Luke Shaw was the second best fullback in Europe last year. So you can it, it, we can think about these things now because Man United are terrible,
0: but they do need to strengthen that position because they need options. Uh, is it maybe it's a point to make throughout the show that these United players are do or do look most of them do look completely bereft of confidence and are therefore not playing at their very highest potential? Uh, but let's talk about Luke Shaw. Uh, I'm going to switch over to the left because uh, we just spoke about him. Started for England in the Euro final, scored after about three minutes, looked on top of the world, uh, had a great season. Some people were saying he's better than Andy Robertson. And this season, it's just not, you know, he's just one of the many victims of United's fall. So United have, uh, well, he's he's had a long journey, Luke Shaw. I think he was signed by Van Gaal, wasn't he? Uh, Mourinho obviously called him out and essentially said, I'm doing his thinking for him. Ollie managed to get the best out of him for a time. If Poch comes in, he's worked with him before. What happens to Luke Shaw, Rob? Well, Luke Shaw's going to sign a new
1: contract, first and foremost. So if Man United fans want him out of the football club, they're not going to see that. He's going to sign a new deal. So I think with Luke, it's... You know, I was really pleased with how he came back last year. Last year's form was fantastic, obviously scores the goal for England at the Euros final and was undoubtedly one of Man United's player of the season when you come second in the league and you get to a European final. Um, Is he as good as Robertson? Well, he was better than Robertson last year. Is he better than Robertson this year? No, absolutely not. Um, the pandemic of loss of form at Manchester United has affected everyone. So this is why I think with certain players that have proved it in the past or maybe have shown that they have a higher ceiling than they're showing at the moment, you've got to stick with it. So you do need fullbacks at the club. And as I said, I think with Luke Shaw, I think that Teles is more of a problem. You know, tellers comes in and people think he's an alternative. And then again, I sit at Old Trafford and pull my hair out watching him not overlap not making five-yard passes, not doing anything. And then you've got said on the other side. So I do think that you need another left back at the club. You do. You do need that for Luke Shaw as an alternative. But Luke Shaw's form has been woeful this year, but he really isn't the only one.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, I would expect Luke Shaw to stay as well uh, but I'm bearing in mind we've been going 45 minutes already we're only on the fullbacks so I'm going <laughs> to speed it up a little bit um but it's it's good stuff so I was you know I don't I don't want to rush it in terms too much. of
2: looking at players Scott I would say that from what I'm hearing United are not looking at left backs really I think they are looking at a few options They um, do have Brandon
0: Williams as well you know yes yeah,
2: uh, and right backs is where they are looking um we did a piece on Boule from RB Leipzig um they did look at James Tavernier last summer, which I think they should have done that actually as it happens because he did fit in beautifully. Um, one player who, who I can um, bring up, this is a player who we haven't really mentioned or ever talked about. We're going to be doing a story in 19 minutes about this guy today. Um, Aaron Hickey of Bologna. Scottish, he, yes. He is on the radar of a, every one of the top six in England. He has had an outstanding season. 19-year-old, just been called up to the squad. Genuinely, I'm dexterous when it comes to two-footed. Being described to me as the, the the next generation's Dennis Irwin, but with better feet. He's that good? Keep an eye on this guy. He, United are one of the clubs looking at him very closely. He could move this summer, and I think he'd be a lovely fit for United. Play both sides. Um, he's a brilliant full he's a brilliant fullback, and uh, yeah, that's one of the story we'll be doing today. But yeah, United aren't the only ones, but they are looking at this guy very very much so and um he's currently been a sensation in syria
0: yeah currently at bologna i believe and he is a regular that i pick up on football man it's a second football manager reference <laughs> uh, <laughs> today but he's a regular for me because he can play both sides uh and does not surprise me to hear that so you can keep an eye out for that story uh, maybe we'll throw the link in the description uh so you can read the article that graham's going to put out on 90min.com <laughs> but uh Moving back towards, uh, we'll we'll wrap up the fullbacks because you mentioned Alex Tellez, Robin, you think he's a walking disaster, to paraphrase you in a a sense. Diogo Dallo, a little bit more of an, maybe he's more aesthetically pleasing on the ball than Aaron Wan-Bissaka is and maybe that's why fans think that he's the answer, but is he really?
1: No, he really isn't. (laughs) Like, that. like, as I said a minute ago, it, fullbacks are expected to be front footed players now. They're expected to get assists, get forward. They are the modern day wingers, and DeLo kind of fits that. But you've got to do some defending, you've got to be aware of what's on the shoulder on this side. He's the most unaware player at Manchester United. He really is. He really doesn't know what's going on behind him or to the side. And we saw that with the goal, didn't we, the other day? It goes over his head. Yes, he's having to cover the middle and having to come narrow, and that doesn't help him. But he's just so he's so far away from what you need if you want to be a championship-winning team. So, again, there was a reason, you see, why Delo, when he came in under Jose Mourinho, White didn't work. And he was a young player. The reason why it didn't work is because he's so... Bad defensively. He did all right at AC Milan. He wasn't a raging success, but he was obviously starting there. And Man United thought they'd give him a go this year. And I think that this has been again part of the story of giving maybe players a go that are just not good enough for your alternatives of your starters who are not good enough. So you need to move them out. I think that they say they're back here. I think that that's the kind of progressive signing you need. Someone who's already been doing it is a young player. Would be highly motivated on his first massive contract in terms of coming to a club like Manchester United and having that motivation to perform.
0: Yes, indeed. Let's move on to the midfielders. And I'm going to do the central midfielders first and we'll throw in the DMs, the CMs and the more attacking players as well into one position. Where should we start? McFred. Shall we start with McFred? The go-to pairing, the legendary McFred of uh modern manchester if you want to sum up modern manchester united <laughs> you do it with mcfred scott McTominay, academy product fred 52 million sign in from shaktar i remember seeing f- him score a free kick in the champions league and thinking oh this guy's got something uh and he's i could probably count on one hand the amount of goals he scored for united since joining but maybe he's been played in the wrong position does he look a bit more does he look a bit better playing a more advanced role, putting pressure on this kind of stuff? Are they utilising him properly? Uh, but one thing's for certain, as far as I'm going, unless you can tell me differently, Graham, these two are staying.
2: Yeah, yeah, McTominay's going to stay, and and I and that's not to criticise him too much. I think these two are the epitome of what's wrong with Manchester United. These two in centre midfield, they're just not good. They're miles away, and and yeah, they're they giving their all. They're trying they're talented boys don't get me wrong they could fit into three quarters of the premier league and be very good players they really could but again this is manchester united you'd you got to challenge chelsea man city and liverpool and you can't do it with these two it's like look let's look at united's captain figures ince robson of the lake keen there's nothing in there set field and that's the club's fault for not having someone around it Maybe if he had a world-class centre midfield alongside him, and obviously we will get into Pogba in a minute, but yeah, this is a massive—it's pro- a massive problem. McTominay, yeah, he tries his hard out, but it's, you know, he's just—he's just so far off. Like even far off of Nicky Butt, he couldn't strap Nicky Butt's places For me, he's just not there, Fred. Uh, and I, I, honestly, I think this is the main—this is the first thing any United manager coming in has to solve: this centre midfield. He has to start again. That's the main problem. And, and yeah, Maguire and the fullbacks, they'll probably tell you, it, it's hard when you've got someone running through you consecutively. There's no stopping them. And yeah, I, I don't rate them. And yeah, but they are staying, as you, say, as you say, Scott, they are staying. Fred might have a little bit of juice on the content, but he's on a big deal. I wouldn't necessarily rule out a Fred departure, depending on what you could bring I think he's in. He's out of contract next year, Fred. Yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily rule out. and Matome, an you know, and the Matoma is a good option to have. He should be in your squads for the next five, six He's a squad player, games. isn't he? But he's playing yeah. every week. Yeah. And I tell you what, he played. he plays some fantastic games at centre half for Scotland. He really does in a three. So I think he's a good option to have in the squad, but he shouldn't be starting for United. He really the
0: the, the I think the, the... The damning way to look at it is Scott McTominay starts every week in midfield for Man United, and he can't get in Scotland's midfield (laughs) Uh, because of other players like John McGinn, et cetera, et cetera. He's played in a back three or, you know, playing defense. I'll tell
2: you you something. I'm not exaggerating this, and it's going to come to my own team, Middlesbrough. Paddy McNair is a better player than Scott McTominay as we stand today.
0: Rob, would you like to to butt in and disagree with anything Graham said? I've seen a lot of Paddy McNair over the years. Um, I I think I would disagree with that.
1: Um, I I don't know. I think the thing is with Scotty and I think with Fred is that, again, it's about ceilings. Their ceilings are much lower than other players. If Scott McTominay was playing for Leicester City, people would talk about Scott McTominay being worth over £50 million. I'm telling you that now because it's all about fit.
0: It's all about. Graham, it has and what happened with Sean
1: Longstaff at
0: Newcastle. To be
1: fair, look, look, look at Danny Drinkwater. <laughs> you know, this is the whole thing. You you can be a limited player, but if it's the mm. right environment, the right scenario, you can thrive and you can look amazing. So I think the thing with Fred is that Shakti was a very good player. He was much more of a box to box. It's only really in the last six months we've seen him allowed to be up the football pitch, and he's done all right. You know, we saw the little two or three touches that are going around social media the last few weeks about what he was doing for United at that end of the pitch. But again, it's about chemistry and blend. How do you make it all work? And because Man United played a double pivot all the way through the Solskjaer era, and these two guys have been the starting double pivot in front of the back four, that they they are the ones, they're the runners, they're the chasers. It's not about quality. It's not about ball retention. It's not really about passing the ball out from the back. So again, we talk about United being a progressive team and doing modern tactics, but you're telling these two lads who are runners to just keep running really hard over 90 minutes to do that and then have quality off the back of it you need a system in a shape that helps those things you do need defensive-minded midfielders but you do need people who can get the ball up the pitch progressively so I think that's kind of where this partnership McFred falls down because when Fred does play higher up the pitch you see that he has value Scott McTominay was brought through our system he was a forward He was a finisher. He was a goal scorer. And when he gets the ball on the edge of the box, you actually see that, the shaping. He knows how to strike a ball. He knows how to score goals. Last year, he scored nine goals from midfield. And this is a boy who's a defensive midfielder? No. So I think that a lot of this is about position, about how you play them. I would keep these two at the football club because I think you have to. You can't get rid of everyone. There's so many that you would want to get rid of. But I think when you look at these two, they're not the biggest problem at Man United. But I think as a starting pair, they are they are a problem. You do need that elite central
0: midfielder. Uh I'll cycle through a couple more that I would expect to stay. Bruno Fernandez, I mean, we can do a section on him, but Rob, we talk about Bruno every week. He's not going to leave, is he? And would you let's let's say an eighty million offer came in for Bruno Fernandez. Would you sell him? It's not going to happen, but do you feel like he's a right he's he's the right player to keep moving forward? Moving forward. Is he the right person to be captain if Harry Maguire loses the captaincy I think his stock has fallen drastically this year and that is last year
1: when he was the big dog and when he was the one getting everything he wanted and he was the the fulcrum of the team the centrepiece doing everything he was getting goals and assists this year when it's tough He's poor. There's no doubt about it. He's poor. He's so bad on the ball. Now, a lot of people I've seen, again, it's a Twitter conversation more than anything. But you see, especially with journalists, saying, well, you know, he's still got these metrics and these stats. And this is what we do in our job. You know, we look at all these things. But there's no doubt that he does not pass the eye test at the moment. He goes in. he's very, very undisciplined. He does not do his role completely wherever he plays. He's a drifter and he wants to be a creator, but not within a system. So there's no doubt that the problem for him and Ronaldo this season has been 50% him and 50% Ronaldo. So I think he has to carry that. I do think going forward that if you change your shape in your system a little bit and you have a manager that works it, that Bruno Fernandes will not be a huge problem. He will still be one of your centrepieces of your team. But you're just saying there about selling, if you did get a huge price for him, you know, is he completely essential for Manchester United's future? I don't know anymore. I really don't. I, I don't look at him. I want central midfielders and attacking players that can pass the ball. Scott, yeah, five yards. I want that. I'm desperate for that. I want to see that. Like you see at Manchester City, you see that 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 fluidity from their midfield. And Bruno does not provide that at all. He can make the killer pass, but he doesn't do the simple stuff.
0: And you need someone that can do both. Of course, this was one of the concerns, but I think there was a. United were looking at signing Bruno for a long time. They often denied it. And I think a report came out at one point that cited his ability to give the ball away or his lack of pass completion as one of the main concerns and why they held off him. They ended up caving and signing him in the January of, uh, 2020. I think it was all the years are different. Like just, <laughs> I-, I forget with lockdown and this kind of thing. Uh, maybe it's 2019. I can't remember, but you can correct me in the comments. Uh, but you know, they caved in. He has made a massive difference. But I agree with you, Robin. He needs or well, United need ball players in there. Uh, Graham, do you see him as a essential part of United's future?
2: I think, as Rob said, you know, I, I could I could see I could see why you might move in, move him on. But there's just so many other things to do before that. I think replacing him might be the final piece for the next manager. You know, moving on from him. But I don't see them being able to do it. I I think if you did let him put him on the market, there would be takers. But I think, I say, his stock's dropped. If you put Bruno on the market today, you'd probably get the Inter Milan's of this world, etc. You wouldn't be getting the Real Madrid's of this world looking at him. And I think that's exactly where his stock is. So I think you have to stick with him. I think a new manager has to get has to drive into him the, the the discipline part of it. You know the. it's hard in the minute to criticise him because is he playing the right next plans, etc. And he's clearly not getting the best out of him. So, yeah, I don't think he's a huge issue, but I agree with Rob, his stock's fallen and he needs to make that impact on on the new manager and um, that'll be up to him to do so. Is he still good enough? I think he probably is, but he needs to show himself as United's best player again because he really isn't at the moment.
0: You do look at him and you think, well, I think Mauricio Pochettino wanted him when he was at Spurs, uh, could he be the Dušan Tadić, Ajax under Eric mm. ten Hag? Could he fill that mm. role? It's about getting the most out of Bruno again, putting that discipline into him. But we should move on. Uh, Nemanja Matić has a year left on his contract, and we are going through pretty much every player. We've been going for that, an and <laughs> we're going for an hour now. Uh, but let's get it done. Uh, Nemanja Matić, you know he has this, he has certain attributes, Rob, but he can't do it. 90 minutes twice a week.
1: No, he needs to be moved on. It's just you can you can have it in a nutshell. It's a great player in the past. Fantastic for Chelsea. He did well for Manchester United initially. Too old, not mobile enough. Not played badly when he's coming to the team. But again, that is part of your thinking of squad building and being progressive is that you need players. I would rather have a youngster in that role there of coming through. We've seen Hannibal have a fantastic African Nations tournament. And since he's come back to Man United, he hasn't got sniff. So, Matic has played minutes. I would rather see someone like Hannibal play those minutes.
0: Hannibal uh, is on my list and he, he'll obviously be staying, I would imagine. James Garner at Nottingham Forest as well. Another uh, one. Could be yeah. promoted to the first team next season if Matic is
2: sold. Do you think that's a, you're not going to be able to do that, Graham? Um, I've seen quite a lot of Garner, I must admit. Um, other people like him more than me. I don't think he stood out as much as I would like. First out, but it can be quite difficult. He's obviously Stevie Cooper is doing a job for him, so I'd be willing to give him a real chance. Um, he's clearly a good player, he, he doesn't he isn't stand out as much as I would like him to possibly, but it depends what role you give him. As the Rob said, it depends what role you give these guys. And if he was just sitting there holding, he could probably do that job. And as you say, you'd rather him do it than Matic sitting there and doing it. Why not? Why not? Um, it's giving these guys a chance. Sometimes you only need that one game to take a chance, don't they? And um, yeah, um, it'd be it'd be nice to see him given that chance before he's um, jettisoned if if he is ever. But yeah, um, I'd like to see more of him. But yeah, he's not impacting on the championship like maybe some of the other players we've seen in the past, like a Conor Gallagher, Mason Mount sort of thing. But um, yeah, that that is obviously highest team coming. But that's what I expect to see from some of these United youngsters. I put them up there with the City and Chelsea youngsters. I want to see that, and I must admit, I just haven't quite seen that spark from Ghana when I've seen him this season.
0: Uh, in terms of Matic, I mean, he's another one of those players that was signed for, I, I questioned it at the time, as much as Matic is, what well, well, they signed it for 40 million. He was late 20s, 29, I think. And I looked at it and I was like, well, that's not a long-term signing, is it? We should not be doing that. It's a
1: Jose signing, wasn't it? <laughs> it? was a Jose
0: signing. So what it, Jose it wanted, yeah. It was. And he's got another year left on his contract on a decent wedge of money. Uh, might make him difficult to shift, but I could see him Leaving uh for for a pastures new somewhere. I mean, he could go somewhere closer to home or he could try another league. He's been playing in the Premier League for a long time. Also played at Benfica as well, but you know, I think there's options and there's a <clears throat> there's a certain leagues in Europe which may fit in the manual match better, but it's a case of whether United are competent enough to be able to shift him on. Let's talk Paul Pogba then, shall we? Because he's out of contract in we're mid-March now, so that's, what, three months? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was hope at some point. Uh, but Obviously, Graham, we've reported many times at Nightingham that Pogba's left his options open, uh, hasn't make it, made any decisions yet. But uh, United are not going to... doesn't seem like they'll make the Champions League. They're out of this season's competition. Yeah, I'm expecting him to leave. Are you...
2: As as it stands today, yes. But as, as we know, he's we always know he had four options. Really, he was either going to be playing his football next season in Manchester, Madrid, Paris, or Turin. That still is as it stands today. And as we've said, Rüdiger, the the thing that's holding that issue up is is not knowing who the next manager is. And that is the same with Pogba. You know, Pogba. I think if you got if he if he liked a new manager, I, I wouldn't rule it out completely. And it would depend how that manager is going to play him, you know. You could see Pogba, a new manager. What do you do with Pogba? I, I think he, I think he is, you know. I see him if he went to Juventus, he could be the next people like he could be next Pearl, or he could be sitting front the back four. Just let him do that. Let him be the quarterback. Let him do that role. He's good. He's more than good. Could he do that at United? Possibly. See who he takes over. Um, but has I don't think his bridges are completely burnt to Old Trafford, but. It, it it's a it's a tough one. I as it stands today, no, I don't see him staying. I think once Mbappe is done, I could see him. I could see him going to Madrid, and it won't be about the money, but it'll just be about the move. If it is purely about the money for him, he probably will go to PSG. But I I think he's they're, they're the least likely of the four options. I would think United, Madrid, and, and Uv. I think he has different re- very very different reasons for each of those destinations, and um, I wouldn't rule out completely yet. He does strike me as just wanting to win trophies. And
0: I think, Rob, I'll come to you in a second. Like, I think United have failed him as much as he's failed at United because he was brought to United and the pretenses of we're going to challenge for the title every year. We're going to make a statement. We're going to buy big players. We're going to make you part of a a big team moving forward who will challenge for trophies every season. And they just haven't apart from his, I think it was his first season where he won the league cup and the Europa league, but they are not competitions that he would be dreaming of winning. Um, obviously we're recording this on uh, Thursday and it's the night after or the day after Pogba revealed uh, to the world that his house was burgled. Um, and, you know, obviously this Massively, it's a horrible, horrible thing for for Pogba's family to experience. I mean, and just from a personal perspective, I mean that that can't really help you feel settled to stay in Manchester because this this, this happening to a lot of players in that area.
1: Yeah, Rob. I I think just to kind of give an overview on a Pogba situation, I think initially Paul Pogba said to Manchester United near on two years ago, eighteen months ago. That if Manchester United gave him the correct deal, he would stay at Man United. That was the bottom dollar. Manchester United were the people who stalled. Manchester United did not know if they wanted to give Paul Pogba that kind of money. Now, Paul Pogba's roots in the Northwest are much more deeper than people understand. You know, he's almost a, a bit of a, a Mancunian, he's a Manchester lad. He enjoys being in the area, he enjoys being there. He's got lots of friends. Uh, it, it's, it's part of his network. It's one of the reasons why he came back to United. He felt he had unfinished business. Kind of family business, as he once said, uh, once described to us. Um, that might sound like, you know, hypoboly or whatever to people, but that's the truth. That's kind of how he feels. Now, he's a family man, and being on the Cheshire Belt is something that appeals to him. And that's why he stayed around. This is why Manchester United have been still a very good option for him. But I do think also this burglary might change that. I really do. So we were talking about this yesterday, that if he does no longer feel safe there, that's something that is uh, taken away from him. There is this likelihood that he will now leave England. So I think he wants to win trophies. To him, that is exactly everything. that means that he's got all the money in the world. He's going to get a big wage wherever he is. He's going to go to a team that can help him win. I think the Mbappe-Real Madrid option is probably going to be the most attractive. But will Real Madrid pay him as big a wage or anywhere close to it as Manchester United? Again, I think the truth there is no. Man United are the biggest wager players in the world. So if he wants to stay for money, it would be staying at Manchester United still. But I think it's still open. But I think the burglary might actually change it because a lot of players in the Northwest have been targeted over many years. And there is this fear amongst the elite footballers in the Northwest that they get burgled and they're not safe. It's it's a real it's a real scare fear factor because it happens and it happens too often.
0: It's a horrible situation uh, and obviously we wish the best for Paul Pogba and his family and for everyone else in the area who has been a victim of that uh, over the past few years but I think that, like from my perspective on Paul Pogba as like a you know a fan of United I've always wanted to see him flourish and you know because everybody knows the talent he's got. It's always been a case of he doesn't do it regularly enough or this kind of thing. I think if he if you put him in a Real Madrid shirt and Real Madrid were running smoothly and winning titles, everyone would be talking about him as one of the best midfielders in the world all the time.
1: Paul Pogba I mean. was sold a con. He was sold a yeah. con, without a doubt. Yeah, he was told that United would do X, Y, Z business over a certain amount of time. And United didn't. United didn't do those things. They didn't give him the, the support he needed to grow in the football team. First year was good. Europa League final, you win that. You're You win, you. know you, you're in the conversation for titles, but you're never really quite there. His form has not been good enough over a period of time, but I think a lot of that is to do with chemical fit in that team. He's running around, as we said, with Tom and A and Fred.
0: That's not exactly Europe's elite. Yes, indeed. Uh, before we move on, Graham, uh, are there any midfielders out there that United are targeting? Uh, I know we've talked about Declan Rice for a long time. Does he make sense for the way that United will be looking at the way they're going to approach their new squad build after they lose a bunch of players, or will they be looking at... We've we've reported on Ruben Neves in the past. We've reported on Yuri Tielemans at Leicester. I think he'll be coming up available this summer because he's out of contract next year. Uh, What do you make of that situation? Uh, And have you heard anything around who United are favouring there?
2: Yeah, obviously Declan Rice, they'll be they'll be in the battle for that. They are trailing massively behind in that race. You know, Man City um are leading that race with Chelsea. I, I, I think Declan Rice you can you can chalk off United's list. You know, I just don't think they're in a good good enough position to tempt him. You know, Rice is one of the best young midfielders in Europe now and he's are not in that good enough place. You could same could be said for Jude Bellingham. He's going to stay another year. So if United do progress, I think he's one who you have to. We know United love Bellingham, so we know when he does leave, United will be in for him. That that's a given. He won't be leaving this summer. Ne- and Ruben Neves, yeah, a player they do love, and and no Neves, he's going to be one of those players wherever he goes next. Everyone is going to say, why didn't we sign him? He is such a good player and I I still think I I think he fits a lot ticks a lot of boxes for United and and I I would keep keep an eye on Calvin Phillips you know I I understand that he wouldn't you know at the moment that Leeds United rivalry isn't where it was at all for for, both clubs and nowhere near where they were so that right I wouldn't rule him out I think it'd be a special signing um, if you could get him so you know And there are a few. There's a player called um, Enzo Fernandez at River Plate who is attracting a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. He's meant to be... I haven't seen a lot of him, but apparently he's one who's catching the eye of United scouts. But I think he's more, uh, I should say, more like a Tielemans, maybe, further up the pitch. But yeah, and and obviously um, we've seen United um, were we're in Amsterdam um, during the week to watch. Primarily, I was told it was Anthony um but Darwin, Nunes and uh, Ryan back were also on the radar for that match obviously it helps when you go and watch there's quite a few players there so um he's another player who who has been linked but it, it's a, it, it, it it's going to depend on the manager and how they're going to play really you know they can how what what type of midfielder do you want that they're going to have to ask that new manager that you know there's no point in going out and signing never as if they don't want him you know we know Pochettino would like him but is he a Ten Hag player we don't know and and I said this this not knowing who the new manager is they don't have to announce it but within the club they need to know who it is so they can progress with these deals with the with the likes of Rudiger with with all these players you need to the agents need to know who the who the manager is going to be to be able to sell them that dream they also need to decide on what kind of system or what kind of football they'll be playing yeah. under that manager as well so
0: Yeah, it does make sense to me. And that's kind of why I can't see Thomas Tuchel happening because they just need to decide soon because there's going to be a lot of players leaving. Like... You'd think. Well, I think, okay. ones,
2: well, I think I think with the two car ones, well, I think the thing with Chelsea that they, they'll have new owners in six weeks, and all this dramatics over the last six weeks will probably be forgotten. They'll have, they'll have, you know, they'll have one of the richest owners in the world again, and um, they'll probably go out and try and do a huge deal. But yeah, I think, I think, you know, I think like, they've done the diligence on on Pochettino and Ten Hag. So they're probably the, the scouts probably know who them two people do like. Um, but as I said, and, and and someone like Anthony, you know he's it, it, not a 10 Hag player. He's a, he's he's manager in the world would take him. So it's good that they are watching him. United do,
0: of course, well, they signed Jaden Sancho to fill in on the right wing and they played him on the left for most of the season since he's broke, in, broke into the team. And that's left, a vacancy on the right-hand side. So let's move to the forwards area uh, and I'll, maybe we'll throw all the forwards in together. I've got two strikers' names on the list. Uh, I've got seven players noted down and I've got, keep or release or sell next to them. And four of them are going <laughs> in, in in my, uh, the way I'm looking at things. So <clears throat> let's talk about first off wide forwards, Jesse Lingard and Juan Mata are both out of contract. Uh, I would, well, there's been chat over Juan Mata potentially extending his contract with a co- view to a coaching role. Uh, but we spoke the other week, Rob, about why is Juan Mata still at United? It was weird to see him come on <laughs> in the, uh, at the end of the game against Atletico the other day, I kind of saw some sense in it because he could maybe pick a lock or whatever. He's that type of player, but barely seen him this season. Uh, And we'll see about that. But Jesse Lingard's been out the door for basically a year, but is still there. Maybe Graham, maybe I'll come to you first. Do you think that Lingard is very much out the door or is he going to be one of those players whose mind could be changed depending on who the manager is?
2: Oh, the man could be changed, you know. I think Ed Woodward fell out with Lingard and his brothers and his agents. Um, but that, that wouldn't necessarily meant he was definitely leaving. Lingard wants to stay United. Let's not beat around the bush. If, if Pochettino comes in here and says, Jesse, there's a three-year deal. You're going to be a part of my team. You're going to play regularly. You have to fight for that first-team place. He could easily stay. He could easily stay. You know, there's a reason he didn't push to move in the summer. He thought under Ollie, even though Ollie didn't rate him, that's Ollie's prerogative, he thought he could get in, work his way into a team, fight for his place. So yeah, although Lingard, I'd say he's ninety percent out the door, it will depend on the new manager. If a new manager comes in and says, You know what, I don't want to lose Jesse Lingard, then he will stay. Lingard would love to stay, he really would. And you got you guys know know better than me whether you like him to stage United fans. I think he he has quite a lot to offer still possibly so I wouldn't I still think it's that like 5-10% that he might stay depend, depend on the new manager again whether he wants him to stay
0: Yeah I mean we did see what he can do in that form period at West Ham on loan last season but Robert, from the way you're looking at it is that if a new manager does decide that they would like to keep him is it the right decision?
1: Uh, Jesse Lynn does leave Manchester United. He's decided. It's done. Uh, I I think the thing is with Jesse is that he loves our club. He loves, he he really, you know, he would stay at Man United. He'd walk through walls and fire and everything that you put in front of him for this football club. But it's over because, you know, he was asked to stay. He wanted to stay and it didn't work. He's not played. You know, so I'm thinking about building a championship winning squad. Jesse Lingard does not play for Manchester City or Liverpool as it stands. It doesn't matter what he did at West Ham. He was fantastic at West Ham. Best player in the Premier League at that moment, where he was there to help them, obviously, so much. And I think that's his level. So I think we look at Jesse now being a free agent, He's still going to be able to command a really, really big wage. And he's going to be asking for one. There's no doubt about it. That's what his agent wants. It's going to be a big wage for him. So wherever he goes, he's going to get paid. It's just about playing games. And I think that even if Poch comes in and says, yeah, I like you, Jesse, let's be honest, Jesse Lingard is going to be sat where he is now, on the bench. So this is the problem, I think, for United in terms of the squad at large, but also about individuals. It's about can you please them by giving them enough games? They're all going to get paid, Scott. They're all going to get money wherever they are. And I don't think that's too much of an issue. I think it's more of about can you make an impact at the football club? Jesse's time has come and gone. He's had lots of opportunities over the years under multiple managers and he still sat on the bench. I think now with his age, it's time to move on. And I think that that's really the, the feeling we're getting from his camp is that it, it's more likely that he'll look more for a Newcastle that kind of move, um, he's very interested in that, where he can go and be a huge impact
0: player over a short period of time. I don't see there being a shortage of options for him, whether that's in the Premier League or he's been linked with moves abroad as well. Abroad as yeah. well, definitely. I could see him doing really well abroad. Yeah, there's definitely leagues out there that will suit him. Diego,
2: Diego Simeone likes him. Yeah,
0: I think we, yeah. Did that, we did a story on that a number of months ago, Graham, didn't we? I think. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I would expect Lingard to leave as well, but you never know. You never know. So I, the, I think the ninety ten was uh, was, mm. a, was a fair shout, Graham. Uh, but yeah, ma- massively expected that Lingard will leave. Will Marcus Rashford leave, Rob? Because uh, we are recording this again the day after uh, a fallout emerged with Marcus Rashford and a fan or a group of fans outside Old Trafford yeah. after the Atletico Madrid defeat it's not a good look for anyone really, is it? I think Rashford did actually put out another statement, uh, not defending his actions in a sense, but I think putting his side of the story out there. What did you make of it all to start with? And do you see him staying at United? Well,
1: he was a silly boy. First of all, you know, don't go and fess up to fans who are calling you out. It's not done. You're a professional. Yes, you're a human being, but you've got to ignore those things. Like I, I know that bit really well where he was walking and where the fans were. You're a good 30, 40 foot, foot away from them. You're not near. You're not involved. You're not engaged. Um, he said he didn't make a gesture, and I believe him. I don't think he did make a gesture. I think he was beckoning the people over in a, in a kind of faux style. Don't do it, Marcus. It's stupid. Will Marcus Rashford be at Man United next year? Maybe not. Uh, I think it's, again, got to a point with him where, like Jesse Lingard, uh, he, he loves the football club. He's a United fan. Um, he's been a reliable source of goals and assists for United over years now. But he's hit a ceiling. And this year, I think, being Marcus Rashford, and I say that in adverted commas, has become a tough gig for him. Being the guy that feeds the poor, is a politician, is someone that someone everyone looks at, it's hard for a young man to carry all the time. And I think that the weight of the world has been on Marcus's shoulders for a while. And now his form has collapsed and it has collapsed. It's completely, you know, I, I said it the other day about watching someone when you see them evaporate in front of you, that's what, how Marcus Rashford has been the last few months. The, the, all of these things, it's difficult to me because you are human. And he said that in his statement. And I think that's what he was trying to say. Uh, I don't think Marcus Rashford wants to be that guy, by the way. I don't think he wants to be the mouthpiece of a generation. And I don't think he wants to be the person that tells politicians and governments what they should be doing. He wants to be a footballer. He wants to be a normal person, a normal millionaire in Cheshire. He wants that, but he hasn't got that. So I do think that with Man United, whoever the next manager is, especially if you think it's someone like Ten Hag, a technical coach, someone like that, there might well be a feeling, especially with his contract situation, that United might sell him now in this coming summer because you either give him a deal that puts him on up to 300 grand a week around that kind of amount, 350 even. Is he worth that? Is he going to take you to a championship? Truth is at the moment, the answer is no.
0: I would like it to work out for Rashford. I like him. Uh, I think there's a lot of fans that do. Uh, I'd be surprised to see it happen for him to leave. But Graham, I look at... We we talk about Newcastle a lot. <laughs> They're going to want to make some statements. Uh, you know, will they put up some money for him? Will other clubs abroad put up some money for him? Do you feel like Rashford leaving for a a justifiable fee is realistic this summer?
2: I I don't see it happening purely. You know, we're coming off the same the same year as you've lost Mason Greenwood, and I I don't see the club allowing that to happen. I think it's one they, may, they would come to regret and they don't want to regret it. I think it it will depend on the manager coming in, as Rob said. I think if Pochettino comes in, look, look what he... Uh, and you know, this was a big sell for Pochettino, it was when Greenwood was available. What could he do with Greenwood and Rashford? Look what he did with Harry Kane, Son, Dele Alli to a certain extent, turned him from a League One player into a, almost an international player, at, at the very least. He turned Kane into world-class. Let's not forget Pochettino. That was his work. That's his work. You know, that's his end product, is Harry Kane now. And and I think Rashford, he could he still has so much to offer. I, I'd be, from an outsider point of view, I think it'd be a huge mistake for United to let Rashford go. A massive mistake. You don't let someone as good as that go. And and it is complicated, as Rob said. He's, he's a politician or some. He's a campaigner. He's this and that. I just think he needs to sit down with his agent and say, look, you need 12 months as a proper footballer again. Let the new manager yeah. come in. Sit down, you. you Rashford, Rashford is now he will go to the world cup with England, but I don't think he's a certainty anymore. It, it, it's helped by the fact that England don't have any anyone scoring goals at the minute in the up front, but. No, I I just can't imagine a world where Rashford leaves United. He needs needs to, but he needs to do it. As I've said, his form's dropped off. He needs to do it. He needs to show United he's that number nine shirt there. Number nine role is there to be taken. There's a a spot there for him at United, but he needs to step up and do it. And I I don't think United will sell this summer. I really don't. I hope they don't. But I wouldn't rule out some big offers. You know, PSG PSG losing Bappe. Why not come and get Rashford? I wouldn't rule out some cheeky offers coming in.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there, Graham. I wouldn't. I, I don't think that they should do it. Um, I, I would like to. It'd be a failure on United's part to let somebody with that story leave at 24, 25. But uh, we can't
1: keep keeping players for stories, Scott. This is but, the problem at Man United. Well, I, was, no, I love it, Marcus. It, so
2: the manager's got to come in, Rob. Is it that yeah. strong manager? Uh, the strong manager was, has to come in and sit him down and say, "Right, you're a Man United footballer. That's it. You've got." I was to be going
0: there. to. I was going to move on there. I think he needs to. He's he thinks he's a different player to what he's good at. I I think he's he's an on-the-shoulder striker who can get 20 goals a season by playing the right way instead of hanging out on the left-hand side and trying to stand there and beat players and then getting tackled and losing your confidence. I think that's the type of player that Rashford is.
1: I think the bigger problem is that for Marcus Rashford MBE is that in England now, he's always going to be that guy. He's always going to be this public figure that has to carry that weight. Now, this is a problem for Marcus. So I do think that when you look at his future and going forward... He's, next year, he's, he's effectively out of contract. There'll be one year left with the option. So Manchester United will need to decide whether they give this guy a super huge wage, which let's be honest, they've done it to other players before, so it wouldn't be a surprise. Do you keep him for PR terms or do you br- put, bring a player in that can help you win? So this is the balance. I love Marcus. I think he's a top player, but he will never get away from being Marcus Rashford MBE in England anymore. He'll probably have to go abroad to have a normal life. So there's a link with Barcelona that's very real. Barcelona have always liked him. They've inquired about him in the past. They're inquiring about him again. Marcus Rashford has got the opportunity maybe to go abroad, sign a big contract with a big football club. And I think that it's in play. I think it's real now. I think for him, six months ago, a year ago, he was very much like, no, don't want to move abroad. Not really on my agenda. Now I think he's looking at this and saying, well, I want to get out of England. I don't want to be in this country anymore. I don't want to be the guy that has to talk to Boris Johnson. It's not good. It's not good. It's not a nice life. It's horrible. He has to carry that. So I think those United fans, we look at it from a selfish viewpoint, don't we, about where does he play on the football pitch? I think for Marcus Rashford, it's a lifestyle choice. You know, how do I continue to thrive at Manchester United? Now, yes, the right manager comes in. He wants Marcus. He sells the club. He sells the project to Marcus. Marcus signs a contract. Done. Everything's finished. But will Marcus's form recover between now and the end of the season? to kind of get him into the picture again. I don't think so. I really don't. I think his form is at a, a catastrophically low level at the moment. And I don't think we're going to see anything like the Marcus Rashford we know again this season.
0: I agree with that. I think, uh, but it's a well, we'll see. We will see, won't we? I mean, clearly he's, like, like I say, I think it'd be a failure on United's part to not get the best out of him long-term, but we will uh we will move on anyway. Uh, there's two players, Anthony Alanga and Jaden Sancho, that I think that we can put in the keep section uh, because Alanga's broken through. Uh, I don't personally don't perhaps think that he's the a solid starter for the next ten years, but he's a good squad option to have. Very honest, works very hard, can score a goal. Jaden Sancho bought for seventy odd million last summer, and he's probably the only player on the entire list that I would be kind of gutted if United sold maybe Rashford as well but I think he 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 won't be sold this summer he he's a he's a part of the future for United
2: any disagreements there Graham or Rob not on those two I agree with you I'm I'm not um I think Alanga's got a lot to prove yet, but he will be very useful going forward. Hopefully he does progress. You know, these young players can progress very quickly. So if he gets the chances, but yeah, Sancho's um he was he was the only one who could hold his head up high after that derby derby match. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um yeah, he, he's he's gonna he he United, he needs to be one of the corner pieces of the new manager going forward. And I think he will be. Yeah. Sancho's going to get the number
1: seven shirt. Manchester United have big commercial and football plans for him. He's going nowhere. He's staying at the football club. He will be at the club for the next five, six, seven, eight years. Uh, there is no plans to kind of move him on. I'm going to say this about Antio Langer, because I do hear it a lot from both United fans and journalists about his ceiling again. I think Antio Langer is going to become a world-class forward. I've watched him since he was a kid. I've seen his development. I've seen how he talks. He tells people, I think I could become the best forward in the world. He believes it. He really does. And players normally at that age don't say stuff like that in the confident way that he does. I think he will do the work. And I think he will also show that he's got this finishing ability that people are still doubting at the moment. We saw the finish at Atletico, didn't we, in the first leg of the Champions League? And we've seen it a little bit hit or miss since. He's still a boy. He's still young but the boy has got an elite mentality. He is a Man United player already up here. And I think there's a huge ceiling for him. I think if he gets the right coaching, he's technically very, very good. Uh, he's a finisher and he can play several positions. He really can. He can do different things. And he is the one reason I think that Man United might sell Rashford is that a Langer's ceiling, I think is higher than Rashford's in a way, even though we might not feel it, but United see that if they've got this young boy, they can keep him and, We'll talk about some youngsters a minute, like Garancho and McNeil, but those two boys as well, at 17 and 18 years old, if they become as good as they can be, then United have got a very, very exciting
0: front line. I was going to move on to the number seven part there, Rob, but sorry to
2: jump in and do all that. No, 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 it's it's all right. (laughs)
0: um, Because I think I should come back to Graham actually, because I know you mentioned Anthony earlier, uh, and we have published a piece on that. in the last six weeks to a month, I think about some interest in Anthony, Eric Ten Hag, etc. You know, obviously has worked with him. Any other potential options for that right flank? Do we feel like Jaden Sancho is a left winger now?
2: Is that right flank a problem again? Uh, a w- a winger wasn't necessarily high on on you know its agenda, and, and it's this main Mason Greenwood situation, and and, and you know. We're not getting at his situation, but I think United aren't getting enough sympathy in that regard. You know, you strip out a 150 million pound striker from most squads. And and everyone's forgetting for best young striker in Europe, arguably, he's gone. And 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 now United, it's a reason they didn't go for Alvarez, who went to Man City. They didn't think they needed him because they had Nathan Greenwood. And 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 but this Anthony guy, he is special. He really is. You know, Liverpool are looking at him for very good reasons. And and from what I he, Diaz and, and, and Anthony could be the Salas Mane replacements going forward. And, and I think whoever gets Anthony is getting a, a truly, truly world-class talent. He'll play in the World Cup for Brazil. If I was United, I'd do everything they could to sign this lad this summer. Whether Ten Hag comes or not, this is the guy they should be signing for that winger spot. He is very very special. And obviously, the striker situation is very different. There's, there's a number of names there, but for the for the winger spot, Scott, I'm trying to say that a lot, um, Anthony is the one. He, he and, and they do love him. They went to Amsterdam in midweek, and he was the priority. He was the one they went to watch. <laughs> I could be unfortunate. He's probably one of his worst games of the season, I'm told. And Grimaldi marked him out the game, but Ajax didn't have a good night at the office. But he is he's a sensational talent. And I think he would fit into English football and to Old Trafford like a hand in glove uh,
0: another player I'm just thinking of off the top of my head is Rafinha at Leeds if Leeds go down then maybe he'll become available on a- he's been linked with a bunch of different clubs mm. plays on the right hand side uh, you know that's just me throwing two and two together there's nothing uh, no real basis in that it's just me thinking off the top of my head uh, Rob you mentioned Garnaccio uh, McNeil as well we'll maybe talk about him in the striker section when we move on in a bit but United have other options too in the youth. Team. Yeah, look, J- Jaden will go back to the right hand side eventually. You've got to remember his last season at
1: Dortmund, he played fifty-two percent of his games on the left. So he can play both sides. That's I think why United are utilizing that. And it's mainly due to the poor form of Rashford. So Rashford obviously playing that left hand side primarily, and you've got uh, how Jaden can switch from both sides. I still think that Jaden is gonna be the guy that ends up on the right. That was United's long term plan for him to be taking that right hand side berth. Garancho plays on the left. Um, the boy's just been called up to the Argentina squad. No one at Man United knows him. I'm talking about the fans. The fans are like, who is this lad? Well, if you watch the youth team, you watch the under-23s, you know exactly who he is. He's just fired Man United with McNeil into the Youth Cup final. First time Man United have been there for many, many seasons. And the boy is special. So he's only 17. He's not on the cusp of the first team. But we're talking about building long-term here, aren't we? We're talking about the next manager, successive transfer windows, who do you need, what position, you know, yada, yada, yada. Well, I don't think Man United are going to need... A left sided forward anytime soon. They've got one. So they've got the balance there. Alanga can play both sides as well. I said, I think he will, he's obviously, he's going to be at Man United for many years as well. And, and Jaden Sancho will be the number seven figurehead. So I think the wide positions at Man United are fine. It's more the wide positions behind those players when we're talking about full backs who can both support these forward players and also get forward themselves and get assists.
0: Thanks for tying back in the number seven chat because I'm, that's a nice little segue into what happens with Ronaldo. I think we can pretty much write off that Edinson Cavani is going to stay at United. I think he's out of contract. He will end up leaving for another league. Should probably have happened last season. It's not worked out this summer, but um, or this, this season. He's been more interested in... Well, he's not been fit, has he? He shouldn't, shouldn't really be there. He's commanding a big lot of money, and somebody else who is, is Cristiano Ronaldo. So, Rob, you've made your position clear over the last few weeks about what you think Ronaldo has brought to United and maybe it was a, a mistake. right? In football terms, of course, it's a mistake. Huge mistake. Commercial sign-in.
1: Um, I've watched Cristiano again from when he signed for us first time round and... I feel blessed that all these years I've been able to watch him in the flesh, you know, going back to when he was winning titles with United. Uh we were both excited, Scott, weren't we, about him coming back to United and about the potential and was he the missing piece? But the caveat always was that he's 37, he's gonna start slowing down, and the Premier League is a beast, It's a horrible league to play in, even when you're fully fit and 27 years old. So when you're 37 and you're going that way in the wrong way. Yeah, it was a bad signing. Again, Manchester United's money men looking at the commerciality of the football club rather than looking at what you need on the pitch. As I always say, Cristiano will score goals in any team. No problem. He could be playing uh, in a mid-table outfit. He'd still get you tons of goals. But if you want to win a title, you need something more. You need that worker up there. You need someone who can do everything. And Cavani as well. Just a really bad bit of business from Man United. Uh, we know that his injury record's poor. We also know that he was desperate to leave the football club, really wanted to go to Boca. You know, there was that offer on the table and he wanted to go out to South America. It was. He's always said his ambition is to retire in South America, go back to his farm in Uruguay and just live the life, you know, and just chill a bit. And United offered him a ton of money and he went, oh yeah, I'll hang around for another year. And he's hung around on the treatment table. So
0: just again, bad business from Manchester United. Uh Graham, so Cristiano, do you make it near, well, I don't want to say near certain, do you make it likely that he'll leave and what kind of destination can we expect him to go to if he does?
2: Yeah, I fully expect him to leave, Scott. I think from what we're hearing, you know, PSG want him, the Qataris want him, they want him to be one of the poster poster boys for the World Cup coming up, alongside Zinedine Zidane, who is we expect to go into PSG. Zidane loves Ronaldo, that relationship they've got. And you know, Ronaldo, Ronaldo was mis-sold, mis-sold this United Dream, like like we mentioned earlier on. There's a lot of players who've been mis-sold this United Dream this season. He came to win Silverware. And and that's why he's annoyed. And you know, he's a winner. And he's not he's not winning anything now. And that's what's got to him. Um I, I don't I don't think he's been that bad a signing. I think the club have let him down with the managers. You know, he's come in. And the manager's just not up to it. Ragnick and Solskjaer, they're, they're not good enough to coach players of this calibre. They're not. And, and that's what's let them down. And he will get a, a manager capable of coaching him in the summer. I think, I think it'll be one of those... I think United fans will bid a fun farewell to him. He's come back, done a decent job. And he'll go to PSG for the next chapter of that career because he wants silverware again. Because obviously it's the first time in 16 years he hasn't had it. So, yeah, he I think he'll be on his way to PSG. And I think it suits both parties, really. You know, they, United, they're not going to get a lot of money from him, but he moves on his wages. He goes there. And I think they're happy. And then United have to look to how to replace him, which is obviously the bigger question
0: might actually be an easier job <laughs> than, uh, than you think, because obviously Ronaldo kind of sticks out like a, like a sore thumb mm. in a sense of, and the argument has been that he's actually hindered United's style of play. Uh, perhaps there are other forwards there who would fit in more seamlessly. <clears throat> um, and I think, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Ronaldo did end up leaving this summer. Notably, we have uh, only looked at the players who are at the club currently. There are players such as Donny van der Beek on loan at Everton. Anthony Martial at Sevilla, who did an interview this week uh, justifying his reasons for leaving United. Ama Diallo's is at Rangers at the moment, but you'd expect him to come back. Brandon Williams at Norwich, you'd expect him to come back and whether he leaves on loan again uh, remains to be seen. Andreas Pereira uh, has been... Well, he's on loan at Flamengo, I think it is, and there's been some back and forth about whether he actually joins them permanently the likes of uh, Polistri, uh, Twan Zabi, and Taheef Chong as well have all spent time out on loan. But, you know, we've gone through pretty much the entire squad and we are at one hour 37 <laughs> in the in the total recording. I didn't expect it to last this long, I've got to be honest, but it's been a good conversation. So I did just want to say thank you to both of you. And if there's any, uh, maybe I'll round off with, the more that we've gone through this conversation, the more I've thought, oh, Parch could get this this guy playing a little bit better and maybe that's the option that United will take even though we do feel that as Graham said at the start of the show that Ten Hag might have the advantage as it stands but it would not surprise me whichever um, of those managers comes in if they you know the only surprise that I would kind of have now is if, is if it was somebody else outside of those two uh, but we'll see what happens United have to make a decision within the next few weeks and they should really start on planning moving forward uh, as soon as they possibly can even when this season is still going on, I would think. But guys, thank you both for joining. It's been a long one, but a uh, really fun chat. Uh, just a reminder, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And now you can watch us on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community, and the link should be in the description of this episode. If you're listening on audio, Uh, And another reminder, you can find us at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B at promised land MU and at Graham Bailey on Twitter. So give us a follow. uh, Get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts on anything that you've heard in this episode. And thank you very much for listening. We'll see you soon.